0: Great ideas are hatched in lots of places—in the car, maybe on a walk, or at the kitchen table. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. In the spotlight, a woman who launched her mighty nonprofit called School on Wheels nearly 20 years ago. You guessed it, she did it right from her kitchen table. Devoted to bringing educational support to homeless children in Massachusetts. This charity first began by delivering backpacks to a few shelters, and today has grown into a large-scale tutoring, mentoring, and customized backpack program. To wait for it, 9,000 at-risk children and youth. Her name is Cheryl Opper, and this is her story. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you, Candy. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Tell me about the moment you had
0: an idea to help homeless kids. Were you inspired by something?
1: Yes. It was November 2003, and I was looking for a pumpkin cheesecake recipe, looking in the Family Circle magazine, and as I was flipping through the pages, I saw an article called Lessons in Love. It was a teacher standing there with children around her with books and backpacks in her hand, and I thought, Lessons in Love? I'm a teacher. I would love to read this. And so instead of finding the pumpkin cheesecake recipe, I found what I was going to do with the second half of my life. It's like a whole aha moment, right? It was such an aha moment. We had just moved to a new community east of Massachusetts. My daughter had just started high school and I was looking at what I was going to do. As soon as I saw that article, I knew that I would be reaching out to Agnes Stevens. She's the one that founded School on Wheels in Los Angeles in 1993. So I called her. And I asked her, was there any other programs? And she said there was one in Indianapolis. And I said, I'm from Indiana, but I'm living in the East Coast now, Massachusetts. And she said, well, I love the Red Sox. And she happens to have brothers that live out here. So... Anyway, we continued to talk, and as a good teacher would do—she's a retired teacher—she gave me homework, and she told me to research the number of homeless students in our state.
0: How does School on Wheels work? I know you've got 23 tutoring
1: sites, mentoring services for high school and college-age students. In Massachusetts, there's over 27,000 homeless students, ages kindergarten through 12th grade. What we do is that we go into their temporary homes, and those are shelters, hotels. Some are living in transitional apartments, and we meet in community rooms. But the one-on-one is the secret sauce of our whole program. It's this one-on-one caring adult or young person From college, that shows up every week to say to that child that you are important and so is your education, and I'm here for you. These children are living in crowded living conditions, all the family members in one room, everybody's coming and going, and it's chaos. But when you walk through those doors and you lock eyes with your student, your heart just melts as a tutor, and that child just brightens up with the brightest smile, and it's everything. The mission of School on Wheels is to provide educational, social, emotional support for students impacted by homelessness, and it's all about focusing on one child at a time, that one child, and if we can help them catch up on the lessons they've missed from the multiple moves. Homeless students usually move between three to five times in one year, and to catch up with those layers of learning, let alone getting used to a new school new teacher, new locker, new desk, because school is the only normal thing for a child experiencing homelessness. So we really want to help ground them, give them the resources they need, and that's that backpack with everything they need in it, including scientific calculators for the older children. We give them brand new books to read because when they come to the shelter, they have one large trash bag per family member. So they bring very little. Most of the things get left behind. So when that child moves into the shelter, they will contact us, the child advocate, so that we know that we can bring them the backpack as soon as possible, match them up with a tutor one-on-one, and really try to help normalize that transition, that trauma in their life.
0: You know, you talked about reaching one child at a time. And I'm reminded, years ago, I met a brilliant woman named Joan Wallace Benjamin, the CEO for the Home for Little Wanderers. Yes. And she taught me, even a child who's in foster care, a child who's experienced trauma throughout the course of their lives, what they need is one caring adult who is willing to run the marathon with them.
1: This resonates. Absolutely. Because I think about my very first student was a first grader named Asia. She was living at the Stoughton shelter. Once she moved out of the shelter, the parents have the option to stay in the program. And so, this mother who was really struggling as a single mom, they had moved, and she reached out to me to ask if we could tutor her and her older brother at the library. So we did that, and then Asia ended up moving four or five different foster homes. After that, she was taken away and had to live in a foster home in Stoughton, was going to school. We continued to give her backpacks and worked with her guidance counselor. And now she is a sophomore at UMass Dartmouth. And I just had lunch with her. She is just so grateful and so happy. And she was so excited to show me her dorm room. She's an RA. She started different kinds of clubs on campus. She's working so hard. She had two different jobs this summer. She has a boyfriend and he's very nice. And they made me breakfast. I just thought about this little girl that I first met at the shelter. Six you know, years
0: old, probably when you first met Six years old. Her first yeah. grade.
1: Yeah. So school on wheels, that's the other part of the secret sauce is that once you're a student, you're always a student. And it's up to the parents to continue to stay in touch with us. But We have lots of students, even the alumni who've graduated and gone on to get their master's or PhD. I still get Happy Mother's Day cards, and I'm just so grateful that I got to plant the seed for this program in 2004.
0: Well, speaking of planting seeds, it's one thing to have an idea, it's another thing to follow through on it. There was a lot of work that went into creating School on Wheels Massachusetts. Did you have? early believers? And then also, did you have people saying, oh, that's not going to happen? How'd you get through all that?
1: Well, first of all, I give God the glory because I was praying about what I was going to do with my second half of my life. People were giving me ideas and I was subbing at my daughter's school and I just felt like I want a life purpose. I'm 46 years old and I want to really make a difference in this world. And as a teacher, you do. But I was looking for something bigger. I don't even know how the magazine ended up on my kitchen table. I probably bought it from a kid in the neighborhood. So as I reached out and talked to Agnes, she gave me lots and lots of homework. And she said that when there's an article published in a magazine on her program, she gets about 400 calls. And she says she gives everybody the same homework. And slowly but surely, people drop out. And I'd open up my emails, and there you were again. And you weren't going to go away. And she said, so I really believed in you. She flew out here to Massachusetts. She helped me lay the groundwork. At the time, I asked her if she wanted to stay with me. She said, no, families are living in motels, and I'm going to stay in the motels in Brockton where the families are living. I'm going to get on the bus with them. I'm going to see what transportation is, and I'm going to talk to them, and I'm going to find out what are their greatest struggles. And so... I was so humbled to be in her presence. And I kept saying, Agnes, where's the manual on how to start this program? And she said, just wait. And we would go down to the Holiday Inn in Brockton where there were several homeless families living. We'd sit in the little dining room, bar room, and every night she got Bananas Foster and she'd write these little notes in this little notebook. And I'd say, Agnes, I need the manual. And at the end of 10 days, she handed me that little black book. And she did a tutor training in my living room with my husband, my aunt, who's a teacher, my uncle, who's a principal, my brother-in-law, and my best friend, who was an educator, and handed me a little folder with some handouts. And she said, you're ready.
0: You know, as you told that story, I'm sitting here crying. And the reason why I'm crying is beyond the issue of homelessness, but it's the beauty of what women are doing in the world. And this program is all about women doing great things with their lives. And I'm guessing you've had many mentors along the way, but that Agnes from School on Wheels in Los
1: Angeles was a real cornerstone in your life. It changed everything. And when she came, I realized that homelessness was so big, but she kept saying to me, it's just one child. And she kept saying to me, you'll have other people that want to make a hands-on difference. People don't just want to write a check. They want their hearts to be connected to another person. She kept saying to me over and over again, your volunteers are just as important as the children you serve. They are your village. If you don't have that village of people, that caring adults with those big hearts, that are going to run that marathon with that student, then it's too little, too late. 9,000
0: children and youth at risk, and the number grows every single day. 250 volunteers who tutor children at 23 sites. You also talk about these backpacks. What's in the backpacks? And they're customized for the child.
1: They are. So when we first started School on Wheels, the people that were donating the backpacks were my neighbors, my friends. My database was my husband's Jewish, so the Hanukkah Christmas list. And that's who was sending me money to buy backpacks. But the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, teachers, churches, temples, everybody wanted to help these children. And these are brand new backpacks that are customized for each grade level. And the most important thing is there's a handwritten personal note for that child that says, I believe in you. You can climb this mountain. Anything is possible. And these notes seem to be so important. The children hang them up in their rooms, and the children are so excited that, just like their peers, they're so proud. You should see them put it on as soon as you give them to them. Some sleep with them. The moms say that this is something that belongs to them. That's what I was just about to
0: say. So often I think I've learned when you're homeless that it's really not your room. You don't have a living room. It's not your home. It's a shelter that you're sharing with other people. But these backpacks belong to these
1: children. Right. Absolutely. And they have that new book. I've had kids pull out a composition notebook and say, I've always wanted one of these. Because everything that those children have for each grade level, we have that list, and we make sure that everything is included in that backpack.
0: Well, you're a teacher, so I know what kind of answer I'm going to get to this question. Education can change a child's life. I think it's because it opens up their world beyond their circumstances. What do you think is the big factor in giving the gift of education to a child?
1: It helps level the playing field for them. And it also helps build their self-confidence, which is so important when you're experiencing homelessness and you've had so many changes in your life and there's no stability. And so for a child to go to school and to connect with that teacher and to learn and to work with other children and to build friends. But it's the mentoring. It's that one-on-one mentoring. And that's what school on wheels. That's what makes our program different. It's not a homework club. It's one-on-one mentoring. So when that tutor goes into the shelter to tutor or the motel, they can say, Hey, how did you do on that science test last week? And that student can say, Well, and then they can talk to them about study skills. It's not just the homework. We always say that it's about building those layers of learning. If you've missed multiplication, You can't do division. And it goes on and on. So we really look at building on those layers that those kids have missed from those multiple moves.
0: What have you learned along the way about the issue of homelessness, Cheryl, that you could share with our listeners today?
1: There are so many children that are in our backyard. Everybody thinks homelessness is just the gateway cities. There are homeless students in every school across our state. And they're just like your child and my child. They just want to be loved. They just want somebody to show up for them and tell them that they matter. And the image of homelessness is what we see on the streets. And we think of mental health. We don't think of an eight-year-old as the average age of a homeless person in Massachusetts. All of us need to come together and we can Although the numbers are so big, all of us can get involved. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're five years old, you can go with your mother to the store and pick out a backpack and know that there's other children that don't have that, and you can pay it forward. And it's through the grace of God that I'm on this other side of telling you my story on this microphone rather than being in the shelter with my three children. Take
0: us back to your own childhood and tell us what that was like.
1: I was so blessed. I had the best mom and dad. It was all about helping others. They did prison ministry on Friday nights. When I got older, I did the quarry and I went with them to do the prison ministry. They were always helping other people. And they never said a bad word about anybody and that it was a very, faith-based home, but a fun home. And my parents always wanted everybody to come to our house for dinner or to do the games. And I just was really blessed. And my mom is still living and she's my biggest fan. (laughs) And when I face obstacles, she's on speed dial. I'm the oldest of three. I have a brother who's 19 months younger than me. And then I have a sister that's nine years younger than me. And my mother has nine grandchildren, 12 great-grandchildren, and everybody lives in Indiana. I'm the only one that moved away. It was very family-oriented. You know, my dad got off at of work at 4 o'clock. We were sitting down at 4.15, having dinner at the kitchen table. When you were growing up, who was your role model? My mom and dad and teachers. I loved teachers. I had a teacher named Miss Pistol that was my psychology teacher. Miss Pistol. Do you love the name? <laughs> she was a pistol. Yes. <laughs> and she was my psychology teacher. So I actually, when I went to school at Indiana State University, is that I was studying clinical psychology. And then I decided I wanted to be a teacher. So my degrees in early childhood and family life. And I was a preschool kindergarten teacher before I had my daughter and then started School on Wheels.
0: Where does your do-it-for-the-greater-good ethic come from? Who taught you that?
1: My church. I went to vacation Bible school. I went to church camp. And I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. It's such a blessing that God uses my hands, my feet, my voice to help others. And I just feel so blessed that I get to do this every day. We all need someone who
0: believes in us someone who sees our talents. Who saw you,
1: Cheryl? Who knew what you could do and said, you can do anything? My mother and father. They were so in love. They just shared that love. But most of all, they shared the light and love of God with others and with us as the children in the home. How did motherhood change you? Motherhood changed everything. I feel so blessed. I have one daughter... And she is 35 years old and she's got one son, and my grandson, Graham, is two years old, and family is everything. And when I look at these mothers in the shelter and how much they love their children and how they would do anything for them, and I think about how hard it is to not have a home and how hard it must be to live in public parenting and nothing is theirs, and yet they have to show up every day for these children. And they do. They're sharing refrigerators and kitchen tables and getting in line to bathe. But yet there's that joy. You can see the light and love in their eyes and their hearts. And that's why I think the children do so well with the shelters, as long as they have that one person that shows up for them over and over again. But it's hard for those parents. It's 90 percent are single moms. You have received many awards, Cheryl. The Community Service MVP Award from the New
0: England Patriots. You were named the Champion of the City by Brockton Youth Council.
1: What are you most proud of? I'm so proud that I kept going in the beginning. It's not the awards. It's just that when Agnes gave me the homework, first of all, she said, find out how many homeless children there are. And when I found out the number, I thought, I'm going to go to one shelter, two shelters. How could that make a difference? I remember I'd call my mom, and she'd say, God just wants you to show up, put one foot in front of the other, and just keep going. And every single time when you hit that roadblock, because you're going to hit them, and you're going to hit a lot of them, it's just through prayer, through patience, through the love and support of my husband, who kept showing up for me. I worked straight through the night. He'd be getting up to go to work and I'd be going to bed for a few hours because I ran it out of my home for five years. And he never once said, well, what's for dinner? Why are these strangers in our house stuffing backpacks? Why are these people sitting around my kitchen table and somebody's doing the tutor training, but you're not even in the house? And I said, well, we're just all doing the best we can. And I'm out delivering backpacks while my friend is training the tutors. And it's just with such a grassroots organization. I'm just so proud that it continues to reach so many children. And I'm most proud that it's not Cheryl's program. It's God's program. I planted the seed and all of these amazing supporters, volunteers, all different ages, tutors, mentors, backpack stuffers have carried it on and it's going to continue. And I hope that one day there is no homelessness. And I can tell you from our program and staying in touch with our students, we are breaking that cycle of homelessness and poverty through education and mentoring. Because I have a lot of students now that are now graduated, working, doing really well. They have their own home, their own car, they're getting married, they're having babies, I've been to weddings, I've been to baby baptisms, is that we can break this cycle. And we need to do it. And we need to pay attention to these kids now, today. Next three questions I ask
0: everybody who sits where you are today. And thank you again, Cheryl, for coming in. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it?
1: Through prayer and through really just reaching out to people that Are smarter than me. You know, you want to surround yourself with a good village. And so reaching out to people who've done it before.
0: What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you pass that along to our listeners
1: today? Everybody needs to feel loved. And everybody needs to know that they matter. And you have to be able to show up for them. And you have to be able to continue to show that loving, caring kindness. Even when you're tired, even when you've hit those roadblocks, even when you have a headache and you don't want to do it any longer, is keep showing up because God will take care of the rest. Final question. I believe that we live our lives in chapters. Right now, what does success mean to you? To hear from our students, to be invited to weddings, for people to reach out for Deja and I to have lunch, and for me to see that this is a young woman who experienced so much change and trauma and transitions in her life, but she kept her focus and she wants to study law. And her mentor now is one of our former students, and he is the mentor. So that success to me is that paying it forward and that the former students reach out to us to say, I want to make a difference. I want to say thank you so much, Cheryl
0: Opper, for being our guest on The Story Behind Her Success. Thank you, Candy. It was such an honor. And that's The Story Behind Her Success for this week. My thanks to Cheryl Opper. She's the founder of School on Wheels of Massachusetts. Find out more, org. And please support this incredible charity, perhaps with your gift-giving this holiday season. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, will you please reach out and nominate her today? Just go to candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, -Y O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.